Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Tony. We are still very much knee-deep in tech. This is episode 109, recorded on the 7th of March, 2020. We have lost Simon. Yep, he is gone, missing. Yes. I know for a fact what he's doing, though. He is, according to himself, modernizing his carport. He's what now? He is modernizing his carport. Now, I have no idea what that means, because I also know for a fact that the guy is inherently unable to handle a power tool. So <laughs> what what's going to come out of that? I don't know. But I'm sure it's going to be different. Hilarious, probably, yeah. Yes, quite so. No, so he unfortunately couldn't make it. And this, just finding the time to do this episode has been a bit of a mess because there has been a lot of, of issues. I was going to um, speak at Tectis. I just came back from Helsinki. The travel was the a few days before, or actually the, the night before I was going up. I was going on, on a train in the morning. Finnair just sent me a text and said, oh, and by the way, we canceled your flight. Oh, And no, not, nothing about we're going to rebook you or something. We, we, we canceled your flight. Yeah, bye-bye. Yeah, so I had it. Yes, so I had <laughs> to do exactly that, deal with it at the time we were supposed to do our, our recording. So yeah, it kind of I've stretched out. But I made it to Tech Days and, and Helsinki. It was a great event as, as always. Uh, I did a slightly revamped version of Building an Empire, the same uh, Power BI session that I did in Oslo a few backs, a few backs, a few weeks back. And I think this one was better, even though it's, it's 50 minutes and 50 minutes is a weird format, especially if you design something for 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah what always happens is that you're sitting in the speaker lounge and going yeah and 50 minutes is hard you hear someone scream what wait what 50 minutes oh crap i've prepared 60 minutes and then they instantly start to redo a bit bits and pieces of their sessions it always happens okay good fun because the the usual ones are like 45 or hour 15 right no i'd say the absolute majority are 60 minutes Okay. It's it's rare to find 75 these days, and most of the time it's either 60 or 45. So why don't we do 50? Just because we can. <laughs> just because, yeah. Uh, well, I'm just mostly uh, used to the Microsoft Ignite session stuff, so those are usually 45 to 75. That's true. That's true. It, that's one of the things that make Ignite even more funky, just these 75-minute time slots. But yeah, we we make do. Yeah, yeah. So what's happening in the world today? I think we would be kind of out of the loop if we do not mention the coronavirus. So yeah, so it's beginning to affect things as well. So Microsoft has changed their uh, best practices for their employees, for example. They have canceled already uh, two larger events. So the MVP summit got cancelled uh, first, and now, as late as yesterday, we found out that the Azure Global Bootcamp has been cancelled as well. So it is actually beginning to affect our lives in that way as well. Indeed, there, there, as you say, even the Global Bootcamp, which is slated for late April, is is cancelled. Yeah, worldwide. The, worldwide, exactly. So it, it doesn't matter where you are. They they said that you could go on, but you're not allowed to use the name, and you do not get any perks, and so on and so forth. So so basically, they said no, we're not yeah. going to do this. Yeah, yeah. 
So what I'm looking at right now is, of course, Microsoft Ignite this year, which is coming in September. So we'll need to keep a close close eye on that as well, because if it continues like this now, it is surely going to be cancelled as well. I will have to agree on that one, definitely. Yeah. So, so it, it's we definitely need to keep an eye on it. Oh yeah, and yes. th- this has also sparked a pretty interesting conversation because most of Microsoft in Redmond, the most of the people on campus are actually told to stay home and work remotely. Yep, and uh, Microsoft has has been surprisingly reticent with working remotely. Most people are supposed to relocate to to Puget Sound. And suddenly nobody is allowed back into the campus. And Scott Hanselman tweeted that he was super happy that finally maybe people can figure out the, the, the greatness of working remotely. And my automatic response to that is, well, it isn't that great really. And then I started reading comments and most of them focus on, well, going to work is, it's the same like the, the, uh, the factories of the early 19, 20th century. We do it because we have to, not because we really want to. And it got me thinking, you do remote working and you yes. have been doing so since you started for Cinch. Yes. What, what are your thoughts on remote working as opposed to, to working face-to-face? Uh, well, for me, I think it works really well, actually. Um, <clears throat> I made sure to actually rebuild my home office uh, prior to getting started with this. And the point with that was sort of to still have a line between what is home and what is work. So as soon as I sit down at the office desk, then I know, okay, this is my place of work. When when I leave the room, then I'm at home. So I think it's important to have some way of making that distinction so they they don't flow together too much how 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 do you actually do that i mean i have one my one main computer and when i'm at home i work from this computer when i'm not working on this computer i'm i'm doing all my research i'm doing all my blogging my videos the whole nine yard everything is done on the same machine so it, it's difficult to have this, as you put it, clear line between work and and not work? Well, <clears throat> for me, I have a separate work computer. So the whole, whole office desk setup is completely separated. And then I have my own uh, personal PC uh, in the living room, which I use for everything else. So that's not an issue for me at all. Okay, so you, you've actually decided on, on such a, a distinct separation. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. Yes. And also uh, regarding, you know, the face-to-face uh, encounters, I usually do video uh, conferencing with my colleagues. Um, and so do they, actually. They, you know, they do the normal conference room booking with video equipment there. And then the others who join in internationally as well use uh, video for most commonly, I'd say. Mm. So it's, it's still a personal touch uh, by using the video equipment as well. Okay. Fair enough. Now it's it's going to be interesting to see how this is is going to change work, because I I realized that I'm I'm running on the same preconceptions as everybody else. We have always done this, so that must be the best solution. And f- definitely for me, it's it's time to really 
look at these preconceptions and figure out is what do I want to do? What, what works for me? And the funny thing is it has also opened up some interesting thoughts for for the future. I, I will not be at Atea for all time to come. I'm probably going to go somewhere else in the future. And suddenly, well, it maybe it doesn't matter if this company is based in my city. Maybe it doesn't matter if this company that I'm going to is based in Sweden even. I might as well just work remotely to wherever. Yeah, it all depends on what kind of work you're doing. So is it actually necessary to be on site or not? Hmm. True. And that also immediately moves to the whole um, conference thing. Why do we meet in person? Why do people think it is important to, to go to a conference as opposed to an online virtual event? True, true. So everything gets gets blurred. Everything gets put into a mixer, and we we really have no idea what's going to come out on the other end. That's true. So in essence, we don't know crap, and moving on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> cool. So you put in something in in our our one note that I really need to hear about. Millennium bug on Swedish trains twenty years later. Yes, I thought that I was need hilarious. to hear this. Oh yeah, this is actually pretty hilarious, I thought. So uh, recently they discovered that uh, some trains of a specific model, for example, uh, has a millennium bug, meaning, you know, the year 2000 issue. So mm-hmm. this is now 20 years later and all of a sudden all their clocks and dates began showing incorrectly. So they are showing the wrong time and the wrong dates. And uh, the reason uh, for this is, uh, if I remember correctly, that the the GPS system in those trains uh, has run out of days. So it, it can't count anymore days. It's it's like, oh, this is the end of end of days. <laughs> so, end of days. I think we yeah. just found the name of this episode. <laughs> yeah. So the train company, uh, you know, they, they need to buy in new hardware to replace the old ones. It's not possible to fix it in any, any other way. And this p- being the train industry, it's not like you can go to your nearest you know, shop and just buy this stuff. So they have like special ordered uh, new units, but they won't arrive until late March, I think. Uh, so yeah, so the travelers have been like annoyed by this and had to, you know, uh, ask the train stewardess or whatever they are called, uh, about what what's wrong with the time? Why don't you correct it? And why does it show the wrong data and stuff like that? And wow, yeah, millennium bug. <laughs> yeah, twenty years later. Wow, damn. So yeah, I thought that that's a very cool bit of news. Indeed, and I would never have seen it myself. That that's that's super cool. Yeah, because I, I remember all the hysteria uh, around year 2000, or prior to that, actually. You know, we did lots of, like, certify your company for 2000 and, you know, the transition there. So that was actually a business prior to uh, the shift. Oh, yeah. And and as is often the case with looming disasters, there wasn't very much of a bang. It was more of a meh. But I think that was due to all the hard work done before year 2000. There was still a few bugs, but nothing that completely tore the world in half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people were talking about, you know, planes will fall off the sky and stuff like that. Yeah, I hate when that happens. (laughs) Yeah, usually. (laughs) Yes. So another thing that happened, which I think 
is going to be remembered in history as a huge bang was the uh, general availability of PowerShell 7. Oh yes, that was also announced uh, this week, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we have the new um, uh, PowerShell 7, which is a continuation of PowerShell Core 6 and also the regular Windows PowerShell, I believe. Mm -hmm. So it is now one and the same. And of course, multi-platform, uh, multi cross-platform. So Linux, Macintosh as well. That's pretty cool. So suddenly you can do, or you have been able to do it for some time, but just the idea of having a cross-platform language that is so powerful, that is that is cool. Sure, you can do C-sharp. Uh, yeah, you can do C-sharp on, on Linux, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yes. So th those are the, the higher level languages, but yeah, this is, this is going to be fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. And there's plenty of news as well. You know, the parallelization is one of the bigger things. So you can run like loop and queries at a multitude of faster speeds. That is always interesting because when it comes to parallelism, databases and, and, um, uh, these huge, um, supercomputing clusters are, are based around parallelism. You know what is also based around parallelism? Tell me. Um, PlayStation. Ah, that's right. The PlayStation is is a completely different animal from pretty much everything else, which makes it fiendishly difficult to program. But when you get it right, it is fast as heck. Yeah, but are you talking about the PlayStation 4? Because that's a x86, right? Because I remember the PlayStation 3 was very different. That was based on the cell architecture or something yes. like that? Yes. Yeah, okay. Definitely. So so it's 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 PlayStation 3 that I'm talking about quite yeah. quite. No, so so parallelism is always going to be fun because one of the interesting things that happens in databases when you do parallelism and your workload is not really cut out for it is that you get stuck in what's known as parallelism skew. So one 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 example that I use when I talk about parallelism is, let's say that I have a huge bowl of Skittles, the the multicolored candy, as you do, and and then then I want to sort the the colors. That's easy. Either I I sit down on my my posterior and start sorting. It's going to be a while, or I take small piles of my Skittles and give them to all my friends and say, "Could you please help me sort this?" That's parallelism. Unfortunately. At least one of you are going to be spending your time browsing the internet, looking at cat pictures, or pretty much anything but sorting my skills. So when I'm done, or I thought I was done, I've got the skills from everyone except from one person. I need to wait. And this is what's called parallelism skew. Because, yeah, I, I do not get any benefits from parallelism until this final piece of the puzzle gets delivered to me. So unless you can make sure that you can do a real parallelism, you might find yourself hurting instead of getting better performance. So it, it's going to be super interesting to see how people tackle this. It's an opportunity. And then seeing code run in pra parallel is, is fun. Oh, yeah. And that's actually a really good an analogy. People tend to know what candy is. Yeah, but still, you know, the explaining how we how it works is uh, the candy example is a really good one, actually. And cat pictures. Yeah, cat pictures. Mm. 
which for <laughs> some reason gives me me uh, a, a horrible segue to express route global reach okay did you did you see the 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 news about express route global reach no i did not so do you know what it is uh no you know what express route is right yes but what if you can create your own backbone your own global backbone in your company instead of microsoft peering where you go through express route to the microsoft um sauce um services mm-hmm. or um what is it called the other kind of peering the other kind of tiering peering oh <clears throat> uh so we have microsoft we... peering and then we have the other peering that i can never remember what it's called and I know <laughs> no, exactly I'm... who's going to hate me for that one. Anyway, oh, yeah. th- this is where you you connect your network to ExpressRoute, so you can um, access um, internal stuff through through ExpressRoute. With the global reach, now you can create your own backbone. Uh, you can use ExpressRoute as the backbone in your own network. If you have, for instance, an office in 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 I don't know Singapore and one office in in Stockholm. You can use the express route network to connect them and never go over the uh, the public internet. Ooh, that's that's really exciting, actually. Mm-hmm. Because it turns out Microsoft operates one of the largest networks on the globe, and according to this document, it's one hundred and thirty thousand miles of terrestrial and subsea fiber cable systems. That's wow. That's a lot. Oh yeah. So that's, yeah, well, that's I, a okay, cool yeah, thing. I can see many use cases with this. Yes. And of course, you get to pay for it. I mean, ExpressRoute is not cheap, but it might actually be worth it. It's not at all impossible that it is quite worth it. Yeah, we'll have to check the pricing when available. Oh, yeah. So another thing that was just made available, that is incremental refresh in Power BI. And this is a a way of using kind of a high watermark to only pull in data that has changed since the last update this has been able this has been in been available in premium for quite some time but it just became available in in pro as well but yeah, I- there is a limitation and it's in the docs but people don't read the docs you cannot use incremental refresh in a data flow so you're you're kind of Make, making you're you're kind of introducing a, an issue in in uh, it's a limitation in data flow so just so you are aware of it right what also came out was power bi in teams we can now do a tab in teams with power bi okay so you know you can have a, a planner tab or you can have um yammer tab if you really hate yourself <laughs> now you can have a Power BI tab. So inside okay. of this team, you can share a report. Say, for instance, you have a team with all the, um, I don't know, financial analysts in your company. Then you can have one or more tabs with one or more reports in them so you can collaborate and view the same data instantly without needing to put it in a SharePoint or put it on a web page or share the report in, in Power BI, whatnot. Everything is done through Teams. And that's pretty okay. nice. Yeah, it sounds like it. I don't actually use Teams that much, uh, other than you know for video conferencing. 
but yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of use cases for that as well. What are you using instead when it comes to collaboration? Slack. Ah, you're, you're a Slack outfit. Okay, cool. Yep. It seems like it's pretty much split between Slack and Teams. Yeah. And one of the things that came out of the Scott Hanselman Twitter uh, thread was a lot of people go, well, if Microsoft now are forced to eat their own dog food with Teams, maybe they can fix some of the more annoying bugs. <laughs> and then I think that that's a good observation because suddenly you're finding yourself needing to use Teams. And there are a lot of small, frustrating details in Teams that you just want to hit someone over. And oh, if, yeah. if this can mean that they get squashed, perfect. I like that. Sure. And it wasn't even too long ago that Teams actually got an overhaul or update. Uh, I remember people talking about you could use, oh, I think it was like pop-up chats or something like that. Mm-hmm. That had been in, missing in private previously. Chats. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, that's that's true. And while we're still talking about the um, Power BI stuff in, in Teams, you can, if you want to, export a Power BI report to um, uh, PDF or to PPTX or, or even PNG files, pictures. But in the near future, where this, this is actually available right now, but it, in the near future, it's going to be even better, is that you can use a REST API to export these things. So suddenly you can pretty much have a print button that gives you whatever you're looking at in a PDF format or PPTX format if you want to show it on, on a PowerPoint or something like that. And in a few weeks, there are going to be even more changes. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's in the the um, announcement, but I'll I'm not entirely sure that I can share that information. So I'll I'll just point back to the the announcement. Okay. This is unfortunately only premium. You cannot do this REST API stuff uh, with um, within in free or or pro workspace. Unfortunately, and. Another thing that came out, and I'm very curious to to hear your thoughts on these, because you started with Windows a long time ago. Oh, yeah. And we both share a common enemy, and that common enemy is a printer. Oh, don't even get me started. So how many times in your professional life have you battled with print servers? Countless, I suppose. I can't even remember. It's way too many. <laughs> so have you seen anything about the universal print? Uh, yeah, in several different formats, actually. Uh, I think the first one might have been Citrix mm -hmm. that used some form of universal print drivers. Mm -hmm. uh, HP, I believe, has something also, which covers at least most of their printers. Oh, you mean the uh, several hundred megabyte uh, of a printer driver just in order to get one printer to work? Yeah, oh yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's the one. Mm. <clears throat> and then I remember Microsoft also introduced for RDS a uh, universal print driver of sorts uh, back in, was it 2008 even, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's been countless. Uh, so what's the big new thing? 
Well, the new thing, which actually was announced in in February, is Microsoft Universal Print, which is a print solution that runs entirely on Azure. Ah, so you're putting the print uh, drivers and or no, not not the print driver, but the the um, print server, if you will, inside the cloud, and then you connect or your printers to them. You're running the the standard IPP infrastructure protocol, so as long as your printer is compatible with this universal print, well, then everything just works and you can manage them using Intune. And you use Microsoft Graph to keep track of them. You're gonna use Azure AD to do both user and and device identity. This is big. Yeah, sounds very cool actually. Uh, uh, Let's see, I had some thoughts there uh yeah so the printer hardware has to support this or the printer software actually the printer itself needs to have the support so you can't yes. just take any printer and hook well, it up it, it can because it says universal print can be deployed with non-compatible printers by using universal print connector software i have no idea what that means it sounds almost like a local print server uh, like agent or something yes with i pro- just looked it up proxies. and that's exactly yeah. what it is Okay, okay. So that's that's the um, intermediary step until your printers support this out of the box, I suppose. Okay, okay. Sounds cool. So th- this is going to be probably pretty interesting. I mean, nobody gets excited by printers. Well, I'm sure some people do, but well, yeah. Maybe not the most exciting people at the party. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is one of these kind of boring things that are going to solve a lot of problems that people might not even know they had. So I'm I'm all for it and I'm very curious to see where we're going. Because one of the things that we find still at Atea, because we sell uh, workplace as a service, print is difficult to handle. There there are a lot of of third-party options, but they all come with their quirks. And this would be probably a better idea. Yeah, quirks and cost. Quirks and cost. Indeed. All right. So today is a Saturday. And this episode is going to air on Monday. The next episode is going to be recorded next Friday, unless something pops up. Yep. Do you have anything else? Or should we just call it a day and, and go for this weekend thingy? Yeah, I think weekend thingy sounds about right. I don't remember having anything else specific to talk about at this time. No, not right now. Um, I'm still curious to see what Mr. Binder is is doing with the hammer. Yeah, we'll need to hear his update next week. Yes, I think we need (laughs) pictures. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, on that bombshell, it's time to end this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you back in about a week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye now.